0: This is AFF On Air, the Australian frequent flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers.
1: G'day and welcome to episode 22 of AFF On Air. It's Saturday the 19th of October 2019 and I'm your host Matt Graham. You may recall that back in February the German airline Lufthansa tried to sue a passenger who exploited hidden city ticking by skipping the last flight on their ticket. Well, this case has now finally been resolved in the German courts, and in a victory for frequent flyers, Lufthansa did not win. To learn more about this fascinating case, I spoke this fortnight to the lawyer who defended the case in the German courts, Dr Matthias Burser. That interview is coming up shortly, but first let's see what else is making news in the world of aviation and frequent flyer programs this fortnight. And data from the Australian Frequent Flyer shows that the value of Qantas Frequent Flyer Points and Velocity Frequent Flyer Points has declined over the past four years. The value you get from redeeming one Qantas points has dropped for all redemption types except when buying products such as toasters from the Qantas Rewards Store, although that's still pretty poor value in itself. Meanwhile the value of most Velocity Redemptions has also decreased. Um, Although, the international business class reward seats and upgrades on international flights are now better value than four years ago. The reduction in the value of points is partially a result of the airlines increasing the cost of redemptions over time, as well as increases in carrier charges. And That said, lower international airfares are also partially responsible for the change in relative point values. You can see the full results, including the various charts we've put together in the Australian Frequent Fly article called Qantas and Velocity Points are worth less now than four years ago, and there's a link to that in the episode notes. Virgin Australia is no longer allowing business class passengers to request items from the Economy Buy On Board menu free of charge. Instead, business class passengers that request snacks and premium drinks from the economy menu will now be asked to hand over their credit cards, and in fact Virgin has even put uh, buy-on-board menus into the seat pockets in business class now. Virgin still does provide complimentary meals and drinks, as well as a pantry menu free of charge to business class passengers. Qantas has unveiled a special 100th anniversary livery for its 10th Boeing seven eight seven nine Dreamliner, which is being delivered brand new to the airline this week. Next month Qantas will mark its 99th birthday, and uh, marking also its entry into the airline's 100th year of service. This is the same Dreamliner aircraft that will undertake the first of the three Project Sunrise test flights, flying non-stop from New York to Sydney this weekend. Qantas will stop printing passengers' frequent flyer numbers on their boarding passes. The customer's status will still be shown, but Qantas says that the change is necessary for privacy and security reasons. Meanwhile, Qantas has increased the amount of points and status credits you'll earn for many American Airlines flights, including Trans-Pacific flights and some U.S. domestic services. It's more good news for Qantas customers following the approval of a new joint venture between the two airlines. Last week, Qantas also announced that it will code share on 28 new American Airlines routes within North America, including many routes out of Chicago where Qantas will start flying to from Brisbane next year. American Airlines has also improved the number of elite qualifying miles that its own Advantage frequent flyers can earn for Qantas flights. Also in the US, United Airlines has announced major changes to the way its frequent flyers earn United Premier status from 2020. The new status qualification requirements will be based on Premier qualifying points, which are basically a function of your spend with United Airlines and its partner airlines, as well as the number of flights that you take in a year. This is pretty much bad news for Australians, as non-US residents are now no longer exempt from the minimum spend requirement to earn United status. United has also suspended its Star Alliance status challenge, but says it will launch a new challenge early next year. Virgin Australia is currently offering up to 200 bonus velocity points for every 2,000 flybys points transferred, meaning you can now earn up to 1,070 velocity points instead of the usual 870 points for every 2,000 flybys points transferred, and this is probably a record for the number of bonus points offered on a flybys transfer to velocity. To receive the full bonus points, you need to spend at least $10 at three of the participating Flybys partner stores by the end of October, and the partners include Coles, First Choice Liquor, and Liquorland. Citibank in Australia has withdrawn its high end city prestige card to new applicants. The $700-a-year card was one of only two Australian credit cards that came with unlimited Priority Pass lounge visits, the other one being the Amex Platinum card, and it also had a range of unique airline transfer partners, including several SkyTeam airlines. Existing City Prestige cardholders are not impacted for the moment. And it's now finally possible to redeem Alaska Airlines' Mileage Plan Miles for Singapore Airlines flights, including to and from Australia. Award availability in economy and business class appears to be surprisingly good. However, the number of miles required for an award seat on most routes is quite high for Alaska Airlines. That's what's making news this fortnight for more regular news updates and deals make sure you subscribe to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette or follow us on Facebook. I'm going to get to today's interview in just a moment, but first I wanted to tell you about the new Australian Frequent Flyer Community Online Store. Last week, we launched a brand new online store where you can find and purchase travel products that have been tried, tested and recommended by frequent flyers. On the store you'll find a range of products including travel adapters, luggage scales, bags, travel wallets and noise cancelling headphones. As many frequent flyers will probably tell you, noise cancelling headphones are one of the most useful travel gadgets for making flights more enjoyable. I personally own a pair of Bose QC35 headphones uh, and this is one of the products which is available on the frequent flyer store and these headphones have served me very very well for the past four years or so. They can almost drown out the sound of a screaming baby sitting behind you on an aeroplane. And I often sleep uh, wearing my noise cancelling headphones when I'm on an overnight flight as they do a pretty good job of drowning out the sound of the engines and, well, other snoring passengers. The uh, Bose QC35s also come in a handy travel case so they fit very nicely into my carry-on luggage and the battery life is pretty good. So I would definitely recommend these um, or any of the other Bose noise cancelling headphones which are available on the Australian Frequent Flyer online store. By purchasing your travel goods through our store, you'll also be supporting this podcast and the ongoing running of the Australian Frequent Flyer website. So we'd of course be very appreciative of any purchases that you do decide to make through the store. Visit australianfrequentflyer.com.au forward slash store or simply click on the link in the episode notes. And thanks once again very much for your support. Back in February of this year, the German airline Lufthansa attempted to sue a passenger for exploiting a loophole known as hidden city ticketing. After this passenger skipped the last flight on their ticket, the airline sent them a bill of 2,112 euros, which is around 3,400 Australian dollars, for what they claimed was the difference in price between what the uh, customer had booked and what they actually flew. The customer, of course, refused to pay, and so Lufthansa took them to court in Germany. Well, this case has now finally been resolved, and in a victory for frequent flyers, Lufthansa did not win the case. It's a fascinating case and with some pretty significant implications. So to tell us more about it and just what happened, I'm joined on the podcast this fortnight by Dr. Matthias Berzer, the lawyer who defended the passenger in this trial. Welcome to the podcast, Matthias. Hello, thank you. Firstly, Matthias, could you just explain to our listeners what um, did the passenger do and why did Lufthansa try to sue them?
0: He flew less than he paid for, to summarize it, uh, very um, pointed. Um, He had a um, flight booking from Oslo via Frankfurt to Seattle and a return flight with Lufthansa. And um, he then traveled to Oslo took his first flight to Frankfurt, went on to Seattle, uh, flew back to Frankfurt, and then he decided not to take the flight back to Oslo, where he started his journey, but to travel on a different ticket he booked, also with Lufthansa, from Frankfurt to Berlin. That is where he lived that time. And uh, this second flight was not booked when he initially made the first reservation, the long-distance flight. He made this some weeks later, so his plans changed. He didn't know whether he could fly back to Oslo and then to Berlin, or going back to Berlin from Frankfurt directly. And um, this is what he did, this is what he booked, and um, what he was charged for.
1: Okay, so basically, in other words, he... Flew three out of the four flights on the ticket. Didn't book the. Didn't yes. take the last sector, and now Lufthansa is sending him a bill for a flight that he didn't take. I mean, to me, that's a bit like going to a pizza restaurant and ordering a pizza with eight slices, eating seven slices, and then they come and charge you five times the original price for the the last slice that you didn't eat. I mean, it's it's quite ridiculous. Um, if yes. you ask me.
0: That's the first idea every cons- cons- uh, consumer would would have if thinking about flying less than he paid for, than paying for. That's quite strange. Yes.
1: Yeah. So if the passenger lived in in Berlin, why did they originally book a ticket that started and ended in Oslo in Norway?
0: We have some regions here in Europe where flights are quite cheap because of the high competition. That's all over Scandinavia, that's some parts in Italy, that's some parts uh, Czech Republic, Brussels, they have um, very high competition and therefore they can offer, they can just ask for very low flight fares. And that was also the reason for my client to start his flight in Scandinavia, that was a business class flight booked for less than 700 euros, which is of course a very, very cheap fare. Lufthansa called it a promotion fair to promote for Scandinavian customers. And um, as um, direct connections do offer more comfort and do have shorter journey travel times, Um, uh, stopover connections are always a bit cheaper to make it attractive for people to book those less comfortable flights and this was also the case in this um, for this journey if my client would have booked this flight starting in Berlin or in Frankfurt or just going back to Frankfurt as he did in this case the ticket would have been much more expensive and this is also what Lufthansa did with the recalculation of the fare.
1: Mm. And that, that explains pretty nicely the whole concept of hidden city ticketing and why people would uh, <laughs> would book a flight that originates in somewhere other than where they're actually wanting to to depart or, or, or arrive in. Um, I guess one way that airlines can protect revenue because obviously airlines don't like this; they like to get their premium for for nonstop flights. Is um, they can cancel if you miss like one of the flights on your ticket, the airline can cancel the rest of the flights. But if you skip the last, the you know the very last flight on the ticket, the airlines are somewhat powerless to stop. Uh, people from doing this and so I guess they can't really do much other than chase them up for additional payment which is what Lufthansa has exactly done in this case. Um, I want to ask so after the passenger arrived back from Seattle they they landed in Frankfurt did they immediately travel onwards to Berlin or what did they do then?
0: Uh, Yes it was like if you had booked this in originally to Berlin he didn't uh, stay there for a night or something like that and this might have also been the trigger to get this case into to Lufthansa's attention, there was a duplicate booking in their system. That's what I think made this case the one they are going for.
1: Uh, I was wondering how they kind of picked that up. So the amount that Lufthansa recalculated the, the new fare to be was 2,112 euros, which is, I mean, that's what, three times what he originally paid for the
0: ticket. Uh, yes. How did
1: they actually come to this amount? Do we know?
0: The terms and conditions of Lufthansa say that if you should change your journey, they are entitled to recalculate the fare based on the prices that were due on the date of booking the flight. So they seem to have a database that tells them on a certain date, these flights with a different coupon or different different destination, Would have had the other price, which in this case would have been two thousand one hundred euros more. The price is not very surprising, regarding the fact that this was a transatlantic business class flight for two thousand seven hundred euros. That's quite a regular price, but the difference is quite high in this uh, in this case. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess because the original fare was so low, and yes. Okay, so the this customer, they skipped the last flight. Lufthansa sent them a bill for the difference, and they didn't pay the difference. What did Lufthansa do next?
0: They waited for a long time. The the passenger contacted me, and I sent a letter out to Lufthansa explaining them very briefly shortly, um, that there will be no repayment in this case. And after that, we didn't hear uh, from Lufthansa for a very long time. This was also something I heard from other cases in which Lufthansa tried to charge other passengers. They never did further steps to um, claim their money they are asking for. And it took more than a year uh, until we finally received uh, a letter from court uh, stating that Lufthansa had filed a lawsuit. At the District Court of Berlin. Ah.
1: so when did the passenger actually take the original flight? It must have been a few years ago.
0: Yes, it was 2016. Um, I think it was May or June 2016, and mm. um, the lawsuit was filed in 2018. I think the early autumn, late summer.
1: Oh wow! So yeah, quite a quite a long time between, and then yes. So and were, I believe there was more than one uh, court hearing. So what happened in the first uh, oral
0: hearing? So the um, lawsuit was very short. That was something I was very surprised of because um, it is obvious that this is a very strange thing, paying more for taking less flights. Um, And the, the lawsuit filed by Lufthansa was very, very short. They basically just said, these are our terms and conditions. The passenger did not adhere to them. And that's why we are entitled for recalculation. Our um, letter to court was a bit longer explaining several reasons, of which every single one of them would have made the lawsuit unsuccessful, or better say, successful for our client. And um, then we had um, the oral hearing being appointed by the court, and Lufthansa asked for different um, dates because the lawyer of Lufthansa handling those cases, those Bit more difficult cases was not available on that date. The court hearing was then set to a later date, and on that date, uh, not even the lawyer handling those cases cases arrived personally. So I think this was just something to gain some time to um, shift the decision of the court to a later date, because they might have noticed that this is a bit harder case to win. And in the oral hearing, the uh, judge of the district court, who was a former judge at another court in a very higher position, so very experienced judge, um, showed that um, he was very far into this case. He had read all the arguments, he has, or uh, she had understand all the, the factual things to uh, consider in this case, and one could notice that even though it was not a very big amount of money that this case was about, the judge was very interested and very into the details and um, in the hearing some of our arguments why this lawsuit cannot be successful were discussed and there was one thing i was a bit disappointed the judge says okay basically charging for taking less flights than booked might be okay but the way lufthansa did it is not okay Um, she proposed an amicable agreement or a settlement of this case and we discussed this um, offering I think 100 euros for Lufthansa to have this case settled and the lawyer there in court said this would not be acceptable Acceptable? he could go with a 50% settlement which was nothing nothing our client would uh, want to pay and so the court set a date for the decision in this case and after this oral hearing Lufthansa tried to withdraw the case from court that was quite a strange thing to see So they wanted to um, avoid a decision of the court.
1: So can they simply withdraw the case like that? Um, And I guess what would the consequences have been for your client if they had done that?
0: Um, That's very interesting. If you withdraw the case, you have to pay for the costs of the lawsuit. So that's quite a fair solution for the the other party. Mm -hmm. Um, But they could have uh, filed another lawsuit. Again, so, perhaps to find another judge who might have another opinion, to find another court, if there's another competent court. And our client would never have known whether or never for some years would not have yet known if this case is finally settled or if he has to uh, wait for another claim coming up. So German procedural law says uh, in the first instance of a court case, a withdrawal of a lawsuit is just possible after the oral hearing, if the other party agrees upon that. And my client says, no, I'm not agreeing upon that. I want to have a court decision to have security for my financial planning because quite amounts to be uh, uh, paid for if uh, Lufthaler should uh, claim again. And he said, no, I won't agree to that. I want a court decision. And um, you could notice that Lufthansa was not very happy with this, they tried to um, delay the court decisions by announcing some new arguments, they never came, and court said no, there's no way or no reason to delay a court decision. And finally the court decision was made and sent to us, and um, yeah, Lufthansa lost the case, our client was successful, um, because the terms and conditions were not valid in this case.
1: Uh, okay, and I guess I guess the, so I understand why the client would want to get a, a result they just want to settle it once and for all, and I guess also it kind of this case has kind of been seen as a test like to see what would happen yes. uh, in this case. so I guess you probably want to have the precedent um so that you can um, refer back to this in in future cases or if if uh, an airline does try to sue someone in similar circumstances in the future so it's it's good that you did get an outcome. Um, In the end, I I want to know what were the arguments that you put forward as to why um, Lufthansa should not be entitled to collect this money Mm
0: -hmm. So there are different arguments Uh, the first argument is um, It's surprising for a consumer to see that if asking for less Services you have to pay more money. That was your pizza sample example. You mentioned in, in the beginning So that's something the terms and conditions regulations protecting consumers in Germany is surprising and those regulations in the German Civil Code make this clause invalid just because of this. The court did not think about this argument. They um, headed to another argument. The other argument was you always have to regard a clause in terms and conditions in an abstract way. What could this clause allow? What's the the furthest thing a clause could allow? You don't look at the a specific case at the specific parties of a case you just check what could this clause eventually allow and in this case the clause would even allow a recalculation of the fare if you don't take a flight because your connecting flight was late so if my client would have uh, gone to Frankfurt from Seattle and his flight was delayed and he was not able to take the next flight on the on the on his itinerary of course Lufthansa would have rebooked him they might have had to pay uh, compensation under the flight regulations uh, flight uh, flight rights regulation and so on but according to their terms and conditions they could say you missed your connection flight please pay the fare difference and this is something that is Absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, this clause is so far. This case cannot be uh, legally valid. So this this is this is a problem of this clause. Another thing is this is also some something um, that was decided in Austrian cases that were running uh, for the same topic by consumer protection uh, agencies in Austria. The clause would also apply if the passenger cannot take the connecting flight out of reasons he cannot influence. For example, being sick, for example, um, not having a valid visa or something like that. Things that just inhibit him from taking the uh, connecting flight that he cannot influence. Yeah, the, the the illness argument was one of the things in Austria, and that's why lots of airlines have changed their terms and conditions in Austria, um, stating that there will be recalculations except in cases where the passenger um, is not responsible for not taking the connecting flight. Another thing was the lack of transparency. That was also the argument the district court of Berlin said would apply in this case. A passenger cannot see what he will have to um, repay in case of skipping a flight. And, um, of course, you can see this because when making your flight reservation, you could simply leave away certain flights of your uh, ticket you were getting to book and check what the prices would be, but no passenger would do this. And in this situation, arriving from a long haul flight in Seattle in the early morning in Frankfurt, um, thinking about taking the connecting flight or not, no one is able to find out in a very fast way, an easy way, what would I have to pay in this case? And the decision by a passenger might be made at the airport, and he cannot find out what the recalculation would be, in which amount he will have to pay something, and basically this can allow an airline to charge whatever they want. They could simply say Scandinavian flights um, uh, skipping the last leg would cost an extra of 10,000 euros. Yeah? No one would ever buy that ticket, but they could say that was the valid price and please repay this. And the lack of transparency was what the uh, District Court of Berlin says makes this clause invalid. And that's why it made the um, lawsuit un- unsuccessful.
1: Very interesting. Thanks for that background. And yeah, I, I do agree. If you are forced to, like, if your incoming flight is delayed and you miss the next flight, for example, I mean, that would be totally unfair. Or if That's there's the some some factor yeah. yeah, outside of your control yeah.
0: to have to pay extra yeah. for that. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Have there uh, been any similar legal cases in the past?
0: Um, We've had the uh, cross-ticketing decision of the year. Federal Supreme Court here in Germany, the cross-ticketing case was handling skipping the first leg of your flight. That's something you mentioned in the beginning. If you skip a first leg, an airline is entitled to cancel the rest of the ticket. Um, the federal supreme court says, okay, but the passenger has to has the right to uppay to rescue the rest of his ticket, and that's what airlines uh, airlines are doing right now. So that's uh, maybe a bit similar case, but it's not absolutely comparable because in that case. A passenger could simply decide, am I going to fly or I'm just staying at home because I can't afford to buy the ticket. In the case we had, the passenger has made a decision and afterwards is confronted with an invoice asking for a a whole big amount of money. And that's why I think it's not comparable. Um, There have been cases I mentioned in Austria and I think also Italy Mm -hmm. recently where consumer protection agencies uh, were um, going against uh, terms and conditions of different airlines. Um, also from the Lufthansa group that were similar to this case and they said that's invalid um, regarding this illness argument and It's also interesting, they had a KLM case, and the KLM has um, not this problem of a lack of transparency in the terms and conditions. KLM says, if you want to have your baggage in uh, Amsterdam, we charge you 150, 250, 400 euros. I don't know the exact values, but it's stated in their terms and conditions. But they have set set prices, not depending on the ticket you bought, that just occur when you ask for your luggage to be offloaded in, in Amsterdam. And also in this case, the Austrian court says that's not a legally binding clause because it's, very, uh, it's a very high disadvantage for a consumer to have uh, having to pay even though you take less of their services you already paid for. So that would be the, the, the hardest way to look at this and would also be something that the uh, original judge in the Berlin case said would not be uh, something he would um, state in his legal opinion.
1: That's interesting because uh, I guess as anyone who's looked at doing hidden city ticketing would know, um, one of the issues is if you're checking in luggage, of course, it's going to be checked through to the final destination. So if you skip the last flight, um, what happens to your bags? And uh, yes. uh, so I guess I guess KLM charging to short check your luggage is one way that they can protect, I guess, yes. themselves uh, and also maybe gives consumers an option there. Um, although it does seem a bit unfair to charge, you know, a, a very, very high fee for that. Um, yes,
0: yes, Yeah. Yes.
1: You mentioned that uh, there was a case previously in Germany where it was um, regarding airlines cancelling the first flight on the ticket. I've Mm -hmm. seen before, like when booking Lufthansa flights out of Germany, that uh, they give you an option to be allowed to take the flights in any order, but it's like way, Mm -hmm. way, way more expensive. Like no one would ever pay for that. So I guess that must be why
0: they do that. Yes, that's the way. uh, That's why they do this like this way. Um, the um, booking process on the Lufthansa website showing very uh, or lots of options also for flexible ticketing have been results of um, several cases also regarding cancellation fees or generally the, the refundability of flights when cancelling them. So they have adopted their booking process during the last years and offering lots of options for the passengers so that in a case that there is a legal dispute, they can say the, the passenger had the option to choose whatever he wanted to, but he did not do this. And that's the way they are um, doing their booking process in this ah, way. So that explains that. And
1: uh, you also mentioned yes. Italy. I've, I've seen recently, uh, you can probably correct me on this, but is it true that if you book a ticket that originates in Italy, then if you miss one of the flights, the airline is not allowed to cancel subsequent sectors? do I-
0: do not know the exact legal situation but I've heard of, of this as well um, I'm not sure whether the um, departure airport is um, important or the place where the ticketing was made so booking on Expedia I, right. I think it is the ticket. point of ticketing or the, um, the address of the passenger flying so if you uh, need to be an Italian citizen or living in Italy to um, have this um, applying but you're right the Italian um way of uh, handling skipping legs is currently the most passenger um, friendly way to do this yeah. Mm. yeah interesting now do you think that uh,
1: your client would have had a similar success if the trial had taken place in another country say you know in australia for example or maybe in the united states or do you think this was a specific to germany the outcome that was
0: reached That's specific to countries in the the European Union that have a very high level of consumer protections regulations. So we have a harmonization of lots of regulations regarding consumer protection here in the European Union. That's why I think that the outcome would have been similar in other countries. Um, But I do not think that Lufthansa would have sued a passenger in another country because um, other legal systems are different. Uh, Running lawsuits is pricey. And um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I tend to agree. Probably Lufthansa or a European airline would probably not sue a passenger overseas. But I know there's been you know, yeah. cases in the U.S., for example, where airlines have made threats. I don't know if they've actually tried to sue them, but they've at least threatened to sue and send bills to passengers, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the yeah. air in the U.S. Um, now that we have a decision in, in Germany, I guess it's the uh, it doesn't directly impact what happens in the US, but it could be referred to as a, as a precedent if uh, it does happen in the future.
0: <laughs> I'm not even sure if this um, will have an impact on the way Lufthansa is cases in the future. Um, Lufthansa went to the second instance with this case, um, with some more arguments why their terms and conditions are legally binding. And um, in the second instance, they withdrew their uh, proceedings after uh, the court hearing was opened. That was quite surprising to me. Um, But I think the case could have gone on to the federal Supreme Court. This would have actually at least have a factual binding uh, effect on other cases, not a legally binding, but factually uh, factual binding um, effect and I think Lufthansa tried to avoid this decision um, because they want might want to go on the way they did it before.
1: I see. So I guess as a member of the flying public, um, do, you, do you think that uh, we can be confident now that airlines won't sue us if we skip a flight? Or do you, do you think yeah, that this could actually happen again?
0: Um, I think this could happen again. Some days before the oral hearing in the second instance, Lufthansa sent out a newsletter to their uh, travel agents. And one of the, I think, four or five topics in this newsletter was uh, the coupon uh, issue in tickets issued. So um, they still try to do this, I think. And I've heard about cases where uh, in the uh, recent time, Travel agents have been uh, sent an ADM, so the memo note where Lufthansa is asking for a recalculation of the fare, and now the uh, travel agent has to sort this out. Quite a hard situation for a travel agent, because um, between Lufthansa and the travel agent, the consumer-protecting regulations do not apply directly, so the outcome of case could be d- different. Um, travel agents are not very likely to sue Lufthansa or try to be sued by Lufthansa and fight out this, this thing because Lufthansa is quite an important supplier for travel Absolutely. services yeah. here in, yeah. in Germany. And um, travel agents having to explain this to their uh, clients that they have to repay is also very, very hard issues uh, issue. I've recently seen um, an email from a German uh, travel agent sending out an offer to a client where they had a very long disclaimer stating uh, that if a passenger should fail to use all the coupons in his flight, he would be recharged and they even calculated the payment the passenger would have to pay. So what's uh, something a passenger or a client should do in this case? Not book the flight with that travel agent, but rather go to another uh, uh, travel agent, perhaps also an online travel agent, where these information are not given to avoid being um, charged after skipping a lack of a flight. So that's a situation that is quite um, unsatisfying for travel agents, for those that handle uh, cases individually, for those who also assist clients in finding cheap fares. Yeah, that's something travel agents might have done during the last years to say a passenger, just do the Oslo trip and you will save a lot of money. Now they are a bit restricted in doing this because they might fear receiving a debit memo where Lufthansa is asking for repayment for the tickets.
1: So I guess there's been both positive and negative outcomes for consumers.
0: It is because it's not The legally binding effect as it would have had, uh, if the federal Supreme Court would have had this decision. At the moment, there's a bit of insecurity on both sides, also for the airlines, because the next case might also uh, gather some um, media attraction, as our interview shows. Um, the, The first case that I was handling had an impact worldwide we've been featured on cnn mm-hmm. uh, we've had uh, a large press um, uh, feedback here in germany and lots of people who've never ho- heard about hidden uh, city ticketing now know how they can save a lot of money so um <laughs> so it might backfired a little bit yes that is definitely the case yeah
1: mm. Um, Just finally, Matthias, um, you're the first German guest I've had on the podcast, so I just want to ask your opinion on something, and that is, uh, do you think the Berlin-Brandenburg airport will ever actually open?
0: (laughs) It will have to open, because there was lots of money spent on that, and people um, do have to uh, do this just to keep their reputation but I am not sure whether this will happen during the next next year, the next five years or the next 10 years. But I'm sure, definitely sure it will open, but it will take some time.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much, Matthias, for coming on the podcast. Really fascinating insights, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's just about all for this fortnight's episode. Thanks again to Matthias for coming on the podcast, and... Thanks also to you for listening. You may already be aware that this weekend is the 13th annual AFF gathering which this year is going to be held in Sydney. I'll be there and I'm looking forward hopefully to meeting some of you there as well. Uh, If you have a question that you'd like me to answer on the next episode of the podcast or you just want to discuss the podcast in general, you'll find a link to the AFF on air discussion thread in the episode notes. Here you'll also find any information about anything else that was discussed in today's episode. Uh, And of course, if you see me over the weekend in Sydney, you're also welcome to come and ask me in person as well. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, happy flying!